Chapter Twelve of Aunt Jane's Nieces at Millville. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Aunt Jane's Nieces at Millville by L. Frank Baum. Chapter Twelve The Baiting of Peggy McNutt. By this time the three nieces were so thoroughly impressed with the importance of the task they had undertaken that more ordinary things failed to interest them. Louise longed to solve the mystery. Beth wanted to punish the wrongdoers. Patsy yearned to exonerate the friends whom she imagined unjustly accused. Therefore, the triple alliance for detective purposes was a strong one. By mutual agreement they kept the matter secret from Uncle John for they realized what a triumph it would be to surprise the old gentleman with proofs of their cleverness. To confide in him now would mean to invite no end of ridicule or good-natured raillery, for Uncle John had not a grain of imagination or romance in his nature and would be unable to comprehend the delights of this secret investigation. Because he was in the dark, the significant looks and unnatural gravity of his nieces in the succeeding days puzzled the poor man greatly. "'What's wrong, girls?' he would ask. Aren't you happy here? Do you miss anything you'd like? Is it too quiet and dull at Millville to suit you? Oh, no, they would exclaim. We are having a splendid time and would not leave the farm for anything. And he often noticed them grouped in isolated places and conversing in low, eager tones that proved something was up. He felt somewhat grieved that he was not their confidant, since these girls and their loyal affection for him constituted the chief joy of his life. When he put on his regulation fishing costume and carried his expensive rod and reel, his landing net and creel, to the brook for a day's sport, he could no longer induce one of his girls to accompany him. Even Patsy pleaded laughingly that she had certain fish to fry that were not to be found in the brook. Soon the three nieces made their proposed visit to McNutt, their idea being to pump that individual until he was dry of any information he might possess concerning the wag mystery. They tramped over to the village after breakfast one morning, and found the agent seated on the porch before his little office, by which name the front room of his cottage was dignified. He was dressed in faded overalls, a checked shirt, and a broad-brimmed cheap straw hat. His off-foot, as he called it with grim humor, was painted green, and his other foot was bare and might have been improved in color. Both these extremities rested on the rail of the porch, while McNutt smoked a corncob pipe and stared at his approaching visitors with his disconcerting, protruding eyes. "'Good morning, Mr. McNutt,' said Louise pleasantly. "'We've come to see if you have any books to sell.' The agent drew a long breath. He had at first believed they had come to reproach him for his cruel deception, for although his conscience was wholly dormant, he had at times been a bit uneasy concerning his remarkable book trade. "'Uncle is making a collection of the lives of the saints,' announced Patsy, demurely. "'At present he has but three varieties of this work, one with several pages missing, another printed partly upside down, and a third with a broken corner. "'He is anxious to secure some further variations of the Deluxe lives, if you can supply them.' Peggy's eyes couldn't stare any harder, so they just stared. "'I—' "'I ain't got no more on hand,' he stammered, fairly nonplussed by the remarkable statement. "'No more? Oh, how sad! How disappointed we are!' said Beth. "'We were depending so much on you, Mr. McNutt,' added Louise, in a tone of gentle reproach. McNutt wiggled the toes of his good foot and regarded them reflectively. 
These city folks were surely the easiest marks he had ever come across. "'If you could wait a few days,' he began hopefully, "'I might—' "'Oh, no, we cannot possibly wait a single minute,' declared Patsy. "'Unless Uncle can get the saints right away, he will lose interest in the collection, and then he won't care for them at all.' McNutt sighed dismally. Here was a chance to make good money by fleecing the lambs, yet he was absolutely unable to take advantage of it. "'You—you you couldn't use any duck eggs, could you?' he said, a sudden thought seeming to furnish him with a brilliant idea. "'Duck eggs?' "'I got the dumb twistedest extra-fine lot of duck eggs you ever seen.' "'But what can we do with duck eggs?' inquired Beth, wonderingly, while Patsy and Louise tried hard not to shriek with laughter. "'Why, set them under a hen and hatch them out.' "'Sir,' said Beth, "'I strongly disapprove of such deceptions. "'It seems to me that making a poor hen hatch out ducks "'under the delusion that they are chickens "'is one of the most cruel and treacherous acts "'that humanity can be guilty of. "'Imagine the poor thing's feelings "'when her children take to water. "'I'm surprised you could suggest "'such a wicked use for duck eggs.' "'McNutt wiggled his toes again desperately. "'Can't use any sassafras roots, can you?' "'No, indeed. All we crave is the lives of the saints.' "'Don't want to buy no land?' "'What have you got to sell?' "'Nothing just now. But if you'll buy, I can get most anything.' "'Don't go to any trouble on our account, sir. We are quite content with our splendid farm.' "'Shoo! That ain't no good.' "'Captain Wegg thought it was,' answered Louise, quickly seizing this opening. "'Otherwise he would not have built so good a house upon it.' The cap'n were plumb crazy, declared the agent emphatically. He didn't want a farm when he come here. He just wanted to hide. The girls exchanged quick glances of intelligence. Why? Why? repeated McNutt. That's a thing what's puzzled us for years, miss. Some thinks Wegg were a pirate. Some thinks he kidnapped that pretty wife of his and took her money. Some thinks he tried to rob old Will Thompson, and Will killed him and then went crazy hisself. There's all sorts of thinks going round, but who knows? "'Don't you, Mr. McNutt?' The agent was flattered by the question. As he had said, the Weggs had formed the chief topic of conversation in Millville for years, and no one had a more vivid interest in their history than Marshall McMahon McNutt. He enjoyed gossiping about the Weggs almost as much as he did selling books. "'I never thought I had no call to stick my nose into other folks' private doings,' he said, after a few puffs at the corncob pipe. "'But they can't hide much from Marsh McNutt when he has his eyes open.' Patsy wondered if he could possibly close them. The eyelids seemed to be shy and retiring. "'I seen what I seen,' continued the little man, glancing impressively at his attentive audience. "'I seen Cap'n Wegg livin' without workin', for he never lifted a hand to do even a chore. I seen him just sittin' round and smokin' his pipe and a-glowerin' like the devil on every one that come near. Say, once he ordered me off in his premises. Me!' "'What a dreadful man!' said Patsy. Did he buy any lives of the saints? Not a life. He made poor old Hucks fetch and carry for him every blessed minute, and never paid him no wages. Are you sure? asked Louise. Sure as shootin'. Hucks ain't never been seen to spend a cent in all the years he's been here. Hasn't he sold berries and fruit since the captain's death? Just enough to pay the taxes, which ain't much. You see, young Joe were away and couldn't raise the tax money, so old Hucks had to— but how they got enough to live on, him and Nora, beats me. Perhaps Captain Wegg left some money, suggested Patsy. No, when Joe and Hucks ransacked the house after the captain's death, they couldn't find a dollar. 
Curious. Plenty of money till he died, and then not a red cent. Curiouser yet. Old Will Thompson's savings disappeared, too, and never could be located to this day. Were they robbed, do you suppose? asked Louise. Naturally. But who done it? Not old Hucks, for he's too honest, and hasn't showed the color of a nickel since. Not Joe, cause he had to borrow five dollars of Bob West to get into the city with. Who, then? Perhaps, said Louise slowly, some burglar did it. Ain't no burglars round these parts? I suppose not. Only book agents, remarked Beth. McNutt flushed. Do you mean as I did it? he demanded angrily. Do you mean as I killed Cap'n Wegg and drove old Will crazy and robbed the house? His features were fairly contorted, and his colorless eyes rolled fearfully. If you did, said Beth coolly, you would be sure to deny it. I can prove a alibi, answered the little man, calming down somewhat. I can prove my old woman had me locked up in the chicken coop that night, cause I wouldn't split a lot of cordwood that was full of knots. He cast a half-fearful glance over his shoulder toward the interior of the cottage. Next day I split him, he added mildly. Perhaps, said Louise again, someone who knew Captain Wegg in the days before he came here followed him to his retreat and robbed and murdered him. Now you've hit the nail on the head, cried the agent, slapping his fat thigh energetically. That's what I always claimed, even when Bob West just shook his head and smiled sort of superior-like. Who's Bob West? asked Louise with interest. He's our implement man and hardware dealer. Bob were the only one of the Millville folks that could get along with Cap'n Wegg, and even he didn't manage to be any special friend. Bob's rich, you know, rich as blazes. Folks do say he's worth ten thousand dollars, but it don't set Bob up any. He just minds his business and goes on selling plows and harvesters to the farmers and taking notes for him. And you say he knew Captain Wegg well? inquired Patsy. Better than most folks round here did. Once or twice a year the captain would go to Bob's office and sit around and smoke his pipe. Sometimes Bob would go to the farm and spend an evening, but not often. Old Will Thompson might be said to be the only friend the captain really hankered for. I'd like to meet Mr. West, said Louise, casting a shrewd look at her cousins, for here was another clue unearthed. He's in his store now, remarked McNutt. Last building on the left. You can't miss it. Thank you. Good morning, sir. Can't use any buttermilk or Dutch cheese? No, thank you. McNutt stared after them disconsolately. These girls represented so much money that ought to be in his pockets, and they were, moreover, innocent as turtle doves. But he could think of no way to pluck their golden quills, or even to arrest their flight. Well, let em go, he muttered. This thing ain't ended yet. End of chapter 12